Cam Grinnell to dogman.com with Chris Fetters, Friday morning, Friday afternoon podcast. It's been a while, just getting our legs back under us from being back at the Fiesta Bowl. Again, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters back into the swing of things. We'll hit it hard again starting next week, but just a lot going on. Tenth coach appears to have been hired by Chris Peterson and staff. Um, Arizona looks like they finally got rid of Rich Rodriguez, which is what they wanted for quite some time. Appears to be a mess down there. Um, two Huskies, two former Huskies being named to the Pro Bowl team. One of the top tackles in the country returning. Another running back uncertain. Darnold Rosen going to the pros. And uh, Skinny Eason. There's a lot to cover, Chris. There's a lot going on out there. <laughs> what do you want to start off with? Because, like I said, there's just so much going on. You, you've got the list, so you, you start it off, and I'll chime in when I need to. Tenth coach, looks like Will Harris. Don't know a lot about him. He's down at San Jose State. He has some special teams background at a junior college. Um, he actually coached Jermaine Kelly, former Husky, uh, down at San Jose State. And um, had Deontay Cooper there as well. But uh, Will Harris, hire kind of comes out of the blue. Not that familiar with him. And what do you know about Will Harris, Chris? Well, I remember him a little bit when uh, you know when he was playing at USC. I mean, he was there you know eight ten years ago, and obviously was there right at the end of of kind of Pete Carroll's reign when when they were doing some big things there. So you know the guy's got a winning pedigree, and you know he comes from Covina and Charter Oak High Schools where he where he prepped. So. You know he's got a uh, he's got a nice area where he can go down and recruit and uh, and really make an impact. You know, you, having a SoCal guy in there recruiting, you know, it's nice to have the Keith Bonifaz. It's nice to have the Jimmy Lakes and all these guys. But to have a guy from there who's who's who really knows the territory can be a huge plus. And uh, you know, obviously, minority hire is is always a good thing. Um, trying to get those guys elevated and, and, you know, you know, he was at, uh, you know, it wasn't at uh, San Jose state for very long, but he's got experience in the past with being a recruiting coordinator. He's got experience in the past working a lot with special teams. So he ticks off a lot of boxes. And I think again, when you look at, at the number of, of offensive coaches, you've got a running backs coach, you've got a quarterbacks coach, tight ends, coach, receivers, coach, uh, offensive line coach. You know, it's time to add an extra coach to the defensive side to kind of even things up. So it makes right. sense, and it ticks off a lot of boxes. And it's not unusual, you know, with, he's a defensive backs coach. That's what he's coached. But um, I think it's pretty normal if you have five coaches on the defensive side of the ball to have one for safeties, one for corners. And then, you know, the rumors of Jimmy Lake signing a contract extension and everything I've heard that it may not be as much of a bump as it is for Jimmy to have more responsibility overall in the defense. So this may, uh, you know, free Jimmy up to do more of the big picture stuff and put Will Harris in there. And I even heard, and I don't know if you heard the rumors or not, but, you know, we heard that, uh, you know, Jimmy was actually calling defensive play calls um, in the Fiesta Bowl. So lightening up Jimmy's load, you know, for the day-to-day may be something that they look at in hiring Will Harris. But again, Chris, it's pretty normal when you add a fifth coach onto the defensive side of the ball. There's five coaches on the offense, and Pete's an offensive coach, to add that fifth guy on the defense. And I think we all thought that's where it was going to be added. Well, sure. And and if Jimmy can be in a situation at Washington where 
he is adding more things to his resume so that he can go in and be a head coach somewhere else right away uh, and make that jump. And, it, it, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to go to a, a Mountain West school or another. He can go to a Power 5 school right away because he's added these things to his plate and has been able to say, look, I've done these things. I've called games. I've, I've game planned. I've done all these things side by side with Pete Kukowski. And this is not a reflection on Coach K at all. I think this is just Coach K saying, look, you need, you need to, to be a part of this so that you can kind of start, you know, building up your resume and building up what you need to do so that you can move on. Um, I think that only helps. And then at the same time, you get a young guy like a Will Harris who is just getting started in the coaching round, kind of a Bush Hamden type where you can get him started, and, and, and then if Jimmy Lake does leave in a year or two for a Power 5 job like Jonathan Smith just did it with Oregon State, now all of a sudden you've got a guy ready-made to go in there and do exactly what Jimmy did when he started. So it not yeah. only keeps the continuity going, but then it hopefully stops the questions about, hey, when is Jimmy Lake leaving, all this stuff. It starts to kind of line things up, Kim, in a way where – you can see it and say, okay, Jimmy's only leaving for a big-time head coaching job because yeah. he's already done everything else. There's no other stepping stones that he needs to jump on before making that, that next transition. January 9th is the day that they can add the 10th coach, and uh, nothing, you know, some of them have already announced that, but um, uh, gun to your head. I mean, there's a lot of coaching changes in the assistance, you know, uh, assistant coaching carousel. Gun to your head. Is this the last move on the coaching staff? You mean in terms of current guys maybe leaving for other opportunities? I yeah yeah. I, I I would have thought honestly, like if Jonathan Smith had tried to get anybody else, you know, anybody from the staff, I would have thought that it would have already happened. So. Yeah, gun to my head, I don't see any other changes being made. I, I just don't see it right now because you look like maybe a Bob Gregory. He would have moved for a bigger opportunity. I think that would have happened already. Um, you know, now maybe if you're talking about one of the grad aides, maybe like a Tyler Osborne or something like that. Yeah, I, I could see that happening. But that you know, he's not a, a true assistant. You know, he's just a GA. So, and I think to be honest with you, he's a guy that Chris Peterson really values, and I think they'd yeah. love to hold on to him in case you see movement down the road, maybe with a Matt Lubick going somewhere else or what have you. There's a guy who he likes a lot and is starting to groom a little bit and probably would love to move him up. And then you've got other guys that could potentially come back if, let's say, Jeff Tedford leaves at Fresno and does well, something the, big. That's the thing I think everybody needs to keep their eye on because I think Jeff Tedford's going to be the leading candidate down at uh, Arizona. And well, yeah, they're talking, about Kevin, they're talking about Kevin Sumlin as well, but – Let's say Jeff Tedford yeah. does move down there. Well, Kirby Smart would probably – or not Kirby Smart, sorry. Uh, Kirby Moore would probably move down there with him. But if, yeah. I was going to say if anything moved on that front and there was a potential opening back at Washington, Kirby Moore is a guy that you could think Chris Peterson might want to tap and, and try to get back uh, up at UW if possible. So, again, this well, is all just could opening you, up the I could easily injury. see I could easily see Bob Gregory, you know, following Jeff Tedford to Arizona if he took that job as a defensive coordinator. That's a, no, that there's no doubt about it. And but this is opening up all these different things and all yeah. these, uh, you know, this is just more moves that Chris Peterson can make because his coaching tree is just getting bigger and bigger. Yep. Uh, also, you know, former Husky Dante Williams. He was a GA under um, Steve Sarkeesian. He was at San Jose State, and he was the one who actually convinced Jermaine Kelly to transfer down to San Jose State. 
And uh, I believe Dante was at Nebraska last year, and uh, he has moved on, and he will be the defensive backs coach at Oregon this year, and he's a hell of a recruiter. Yeah, that'll be really interesting to see, you know, what's going on with that and, and, and how that works for him. I'm, I, I'm thrilled that Dante's back in the Pac-12. I always uh, liked him and always thought that uh, he had a, a good ceiling in terms of what he could do as a, you know, maybe even potential coordinator down the road. So uh, he's certainly well on his way. Yeah, um, just, uh, you know, like I said, you know, the kind of surprise at um, Rich Rodriguez. I know that um, Rich Rod was trying to get out of there on his own terms. I know that they weren't real happy with him down there, but with the way they finished, you know, making the bowl game and Khalil Tate, it looked like he was going to hold on to the job. But, boy, I don't know if you're reading this stuff down there, Chris, but, man, what a jackass, you know, with the way he was treating women and, Mistress on the sideline with his wife. What a mess. What a mess down there with Rich Rod. Well, right. And, and yeah, adultery is, you know, no one's going to condone adultery. But at the same time, I mean, we are talking about a school that currently employs Sean Miller. So for, for, for me to look at Rich Rod's situation and go, yeah, from a personal standpoint and, and from the, the allegations and all that, yeah, that's awful. I mean, no one wants to do it. But, but again... We're dealing with a guy. We're dealing with a program that also is high, has employed a, a college basketball coach that is is connected in a potentially huge scandal in terms of payments and, and all these things with some assistants and like Book Richardson and so. I mean, there. Did you see what the a, Did you see what the former quarterback put out on his Twitter? Oh, Matt Scott. Yeah, I did. I mean, I, and it is on the surface. If you Jeez. really don't know what's going on, Kim, on the surface, it looks extremely hypocritical, especially when Arizona has basically come out and said, we understand the allegations about Rodriguez haven't, you know, they haven't been proven even, but at the same time, you're going to fire him. Um, I, and I saw, I saw Rich Rod's statement, his personal statement, and it, it seemed pretty upfront. It seemed pretty honest. And, and he's clearly a flawed guy. And, doesn't seem like he's a very nice guy, but at the same time, there, there, there's one thing about being a jerk, but then yeah. there's also like running afoul of the rules and the law. And oh, I, 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 think I find this, I find this, I feel like Arizona might be opening, opening themselves up in, in a couple different ways here. I can't imagine being a head football coach and knowing my wife's going to be at the game and then inviting my girlfriend to the game, having them both on the sidelines and then telling the gal in the office, yeah, can you kind of stay between them and keep them apart? Really? Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> what do you think was going to happen? Again, is it is it what you do or is it who you are? And and clearly, yeah. if a guy with that kind of an ego who thinks he can pull that kind of stuff off, I don't think he's good for a football program in general. But at yeah. the same time, that's that's that those are personal flaws. Those aren't. He's not running afoul of of his contract when he's doing that. I don't. I don't think, at least, unless there's some super tight morality clause that he ran afoul of. I don't know, but I, you yeah. know, I don't. I haven't seen his contract. But at the same time, when they're firing him without cause, that pretty much tells you that yeah. they're just firing him because they want to fire him, and that that's fine. But be upfront about it. Don't 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 cloud it up with fire, all these allegations. the right word. Is firing the right word, Chris? Because well, they terminated him without cause. Well, they bought out his contract. Right. That's <laughs> that's essentially term. That's essentially terminating without cause. They they have to pony up if they don't have any other reason to fire someone other than to say we're tired of you. Yeah. Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, both leaving. Uh, no surprise on um, 
Uh, Josh Rosen, a little bit surprised on Sam Darnold. Everything I was hearing was he was wired a little bit different and could come back to USC. Um, but uh, then, you know, people started talking about the offense that was run and he really wasn't, um, you know, progressing that much under the current coaching system down there. And then also um, the quarterback um, uh, that they got that reclassified and he'll be in next year. What's his name? Oh, you're talking about JT Daniels? Yeah, JT Daniels, one of the top quarterbacks in the country, uh, you know, reclassifying and coming in early at USC. But, uh, you know, a little bit of a change there and you know, the pecking order of the Pac-12 with those two quarterbacks not coming back. Well, clearly the, the Daniels camp must have known what Darnold was thinking or else they probably wouldn't have reclassified. Although it's, it's not the worst thing in the world to have a guy like that red shirt and then know that he's probably going to be the guy uh, after next year, worst case. But, you know, I, to me, it's absolutely no surprise that Rosen and Darnold both, you know, declared. I mean, they're ready. They yeah. they have really nothing else to prove. Um, yeah, they can always get bigger, uh, or they can always get better uh, with another year of coaching in college, but at the same time, they can probably get just as good um, doing whatever they're going to do in the NFL because the bottom line is, Number one picks Cleveland Browns, and neither one of those guys are going to want to go to the Cleveland Browns, but the Cleveland Browns are going to need one of those guys desperately. And whether it's the first pick or whether it's the fourth pick, I guarantee you the Browns are probably going to pick one of those guys. It just seems destined. And so, I don't know, Deshaun Kaisers could be a guy that maybe they still go look look at as as a guy that maybe can lead Cleveland, but it, it just feels like, all this stuff has been put in place for a reason, and even if they uh, suffer through another, you know, o, o for or a one or two win season next year, they're still going to be making a lot of bank, and they're going to be banking on their future. So, um, yeah, I don't see any of that as be- being a big surprise at all. Buda Baker, Marcus Peters, both named All-Pro. Marcus Peters, first team All-Pro. Uh, with Kansas City Chiefs, and Buda Baker, second team on special teams, um, but. Um, Marcus Peters, um, I thought he'd be a good NFL player, but boy, I didn't know he'd be this good. Uh, does that surprise you at all? No, not at all. I, I just think he has the temperament for it. Um, I don't think it was a great temperament necessarily to deal with at the college level because I think kind of having that flash and that flair and kind of that in-your-face spirit about it is what you need to have when you're a cornerback at that level. Um you know, some guys maybe need to be a little bit more out there than others, whether it's a Marcus Peters or a Josh Norman or a, or a Richard Sherman or whoever you want to talk about. But usually the guys that are in your face the most are the ones that are always the most successful too. So it doesn't surprise me at all that Marcus Peters has that because he always had it in him. And maybe he had to bottle it up just a little bit at the college level um, just to keep from getting personal fouls and taunting and celebration and all that kind of stuff. But the rest of the game, he always had. He was always a very physical guy, had the size, had the athleticism. I think he always had the package. Well, he's one of those guys that definitely has the switch because when we dealt with him, I mean, you saw him on the sidelines, you saw him on the field. But when he'd walk off the field, he had a switch. He was always awesome. I mean, he was great to deal with. I, You know, uh, he was more than professional, so – uh, like I said, he definitely is a guy that had that switch because when we dealt with him during his recruitment and doing post game and post practice, he was great. 
Oh yeah. So. No, I mean, I that, I would say that about most of those guys. I I would say, you know, you you look at a guy like Buddha. I think Buddha might be almost kind of an exception in the sense that I think he's had to learn how to be more vocal and be more out yeah. there and be more extroverted because that's just not his nature. Um, he's really he really is kind of the epitome of the guy who lets his his play do the talking for him. Um, and I think he'll always kind of be that way. And I think, to be honest with you, I think, uh, you know, when everyone compares him to like an Earl Thomas or whatever down the road, I think Earl Thomas was a lot like that too. I think Earl has become more extroverted and become more out front um, as his career has gone on in the NFL with Seattle. I don't think he was necessarily like that when he first came into the league. And, and I would expect uh, Buddha to probably end up being a little bit more extroverted, a little bit more vocal, a little bit more out there as he gets more and more comfortable with being a professional and, and all that that entails. Had a chance to, uh, well, let's just say that uh, Caleb McGarry's coming back. I think that's huge. I thought that it was probably 50-50 where Caleb came back and it's been well chronicled. Uh, Caleb's family lost everything in their farm or their big piece of land down south. But uh, Caleb McGarry coming back, I think, is a huge win for Washington. Put him on one side, Trey Adams on the other, returning Nick Harris. You've got you know, possibly one of the best offensive lines, not only in the conference, but in the country. You've got a lot of talent returning on that offensive line. Well, you do. You, you also miss a huge piece because, um, you know, you miss a guy like Coleman Shelton mm-hmm. who's going to have you know, who had darn near, you know, 45, 50 uh, starts under his belt um, as an offensive lineman and a two-year starter at center. Um, you don't you don't replace those guys easily, and especially when you try to move a guy into center who was a starter at another position, which it certainly looks like that's how it's going to line up with Nick Harris moving to center. But if you look at it, you've got Trey Adams and Caleb McGarry as your bookend tackles for another year, which... Under other any other circumstance, you just almost didn't expect that was going to happen. So to get another year of those two guys together for their final season, that could be really special, Kim. And then you probably move Luke Wattenberg inside the left guard. You probably either move Sosby, Jesse Sosby, or 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 Roberts, or maybe even a Henry Bainavalu, or whoever's your next most talented guy in that maybe that right guard spot, um, and see what happens. And I think you're right. I think that uh, that lineup could have a chance to be really, really good. But I thought they had a chance to be really, really good this year uh, until Trey got hurt. And then I think that really upset the balance. And they had to do a little bit of shuffling. And, and it's not that they did a bad job. But I think when you when you lose offensive linemen and you lose that continuity and that communication, that always is, is maybe a tougher ask to come in and be an immediate replacement as opposed to maybe losing a running back, losing a receiver, losing those kind of guys. When I talked to JoJo McIntosh post-game in the Fiesta Bowl, he just really didn't want to talk very much. I think he was still kind of pissed off about the game. But when I asked him if he was coming back, he said he was uncertain. Uh, Jimmy Lake was on with Softy yesterday. He seemed to insinuate that JoJo was coming back. Is that what you heard, Chris? Yeah, actually, I mean, yeah. And listening to Softy's interview with, with Jimmy, he made it pretty clear that JoJo's coming back, and, and I'm not surprised by that. I know Washington fans are probably even more confused by going, I wouldn't even have thought that, that JoJo would have even been looking at going pro. But, you know, he's, he's had a couple really, really good years. Um, he's done a lot. And, um, you know, I could see a situation where he'd like to see what his grade is 
from the from the advisory committee and and then you know and then look the situation up and and see where he has because if he comes back for his senior year you know he's going to do a good job you knew he you know he's going to get a lot accomplished but how much better is he going to be how much more is he going to improve how much more is his stock going to jump for having that senior year and i think those are all really valid questions and those are questions that we're we're going to find out here pretty soon um, you know, we'll hopefully find out afterwards, hey, where were you after the Fiesta Bowl? And then how much have you improved, you know, in a year? So, but by having him back, that really is huge, Kim, because it's it's not as much as it like, like it would have been with McGarry in the sense that with McGarry, he's got stuff he still needs to learn because he never played line in, in high school and he got moved his, his redshirt year to the offensive side. You know, JoJo's a guy that's played that position his whole time. So he, he, it's just refinement of technique, and it's just a matter, I think, of just really bumping himself up in the national light to really getting to that you know preseason All-American, to the guy where he's always getting mentioned in the national press. I think he yeah. has to get to that point. And when you look at him and you, and you combine him with Taylor Rapp, who's already you know building up a pretty big name for himself as well, that's huge. But they really needed him to come back because that safety spot, if he didn't come back, it's all of a sudden looking really thin because, you know, if Kent, with Kentrell Love leaving, now all of a sudden you've got Isaiah Gilchrist, you've got Brandon McKinney, and then after that, who do you have? It's it, it's looking really thin. So unless they're able to sign yeah. like a Julius Irvin, for instance, in February, now all of a sudden a, a commitment like that is looking absolutely huge. Because Julius Irvin is a guy that's talented enough, he might even be able to come in and compete as a fresh, true freshman for, for playing time. Another guy we haven't heard, uh, you know, whether he's coming back or not, Miles Gaskin. I think uh, before the bowl game, it was probably, you know, I think everybody thought he would be leaving. But to me, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like the pendulum might be swinging back the other way, that he may be returning. That doesn't mean it could swing back and he could be leaving. But uh, Miles Gaskin uh, doesn't sound like he's made a decision one way or another. And with Caleb McGarry coming back and what they've got potentially offensively next year, bringing Miles Gaskin back could be huge for the offense. Well, there's, there's no doubt, Kim. And, and I think, you know, he's got 10 days to decide because the 15th is when you have to declare if you're an underclassman. And I would have, I would have bet the whole, I would have bet my house. Boom. He's gone before the Fiesta Bowl. The longer this thing goes on, I think it, it yeah. really does feel like things could change, and I'd still be shocked if he came back. I just it just doesn't feel like a situation where he can really improve his stock all that much. But again, well, with a really I... really deep running back class, and all of the guys in front of him, that might be one thing that he's looking yeah. at. But again. You lose two running backs, it's a pretty tough situation. You only well, lose one, one running Chris, back, it might be a little different. What I'm hearing, Chris, is fifth or sixth round. And if he's fifth or sixth round going and you're going to be a fifth or sixth round next year, you know, that's that's what I'm hearing. You know, so if it's only fifth or sixth round, does it make sense to go? Well, again, I mean, this is where you have to kind of project out and have some help and get some, some uh, materials from the advisory committee, from the coaches, from those people involved that can speculate and extrapolate and find out what next year's class could look like. 
And if it if it's a real night and day scenario where all of a sudden you're looking at the top 15 to 20 guys for this year coming out, because I just saw uh, Josh Allen from Notre Dame, he just declared uh, Friday morning. So guys are declaring, and and, and these yeah. running backs are coming out all the time. This might be every time he sees one of these things, it might be a call for him to say, you know what, I, I might need to step back and maybe. You know what, Kim? It may be as simple as Miles just saying, you know what? As much as for all of the reasons I should go because I'm ready, maybe I just don't feel like I'm ready. Maybe I just don't feel like I have what it takes right now to make that jump, and I know that I can be there if I take this year and really maximize my potential as a senior. Because we all know everything's in front of him in terms of being the all-time best running back at Washington statistically. And, and in people's hearts, you know, I mean, Napoleon Kaufman has always been that benchmark. I mean, he's got the yeah. numbers, he's got all those other things going for him. But I think Miles Gaskin, not only would he surpass Napoleon Kaufman's numbers, but I think staying for his senior year, I think that is something that would really resonate with you up fans for sure. You mentioned earlier, Kentra Love, the corner. Um, he's a redshirt freshman, Kentra Love. You know, put out on Twitter that he's leaving the team. Ricky McCoy last week put that he will be uh, leaving as well. The defensive tackle getting back closer to home, going down to Fresno with Jeff Tedford down at Fresno State. Um, those two guys leaving, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit more um, attrition. I think that uh, you know we could talk about Skinny Eason, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if Daniel Bridge Gad left and. and uh, you know, there just always seems to be some attrition, especially in top programs. So uh, those guys leaving. Well, I want to make it clear that I have not heard anything on Daniel Bridgegad, and there was <coughs> nothing nothing talked about with him when we were down in Arizona, which well, you know is him. is his, but it's his hometown, it's his home area, and I don't know. I mean, he could he get moved to another position? That's possible. I will say we know Bryce Sturk is leaving the outside linebacker. He's going to Montana State. That's already been announced. So you've got those three guys. You got David Ajamu, who obviously was graduating anyways. But you got John Turner, who left, retired for medical reasons. So you do the, this attrition, as you know, every Washington fan knows who's been following this. This all happens every single year. But I would say the Bridge Gad situation is interesting. I mean, I I haven't heard anything personal about it. If well, if it does happen, I wouldn't me. be shocked. But again, I haven't heard anything. Yeah, I talked to him down there. He put on his Facebook page that he's a former student athlete at University of Washington. Um, I asked him about it, you know, didn't record it or anything. And he just said that has been there for a long time and nothing has changed and it was a mistake. And when people started talking about it on our site, that people were asking him about it. But he insisted to me that he wasn't leaving. But it's also pretty clear by looking at practice, he's the last guy on the depth chart. Well, so. he is, he is, and that does, but that doesn't necessarily mean there isn't value for him somewhere uh, as an athlete or what have you. And, and bottom line is, we know it's not Chris Peterson's role to like kick kicks out. But again, there are situations where he will make it really clear and will spell out and lay out what he expects and and what he will also anticipate happening down the road. And he'll kind of yeah. lay out the whole plan for them. And if they don't see a future for them, I think that's where they can kind of make their own minds up and see the writing on the wall. Now, will that happen with Bridgecat? It could. I, I'm certainly not ruling that out at all. But any the, any talk about, uh, like, Jacob Eason leaving Georgia, first of all, they got a championship game to play. But after that, if, if there's a decision where he wants to come back and be closer to home, 
There has to be movement in that quarterback room, Kim. There, I've said that from the very beginning. There has to be a numbers change there because they cannot run with six scholarship quarterbacks in that room. It just It's not possible. Yeah, and uh, it sure looks like uh, Jacob Eason is uh, everything I'm hearing is uh, expect him to come home. I'm hearing it from Georgia. I'm hearing it from Los Angeles. I'm hearing it up here. I'm hearing it from people around the program. You know, um, it's just, I mean, there is just so much chatter. And I still think it's going to come down to, uh, you know, the first step would be Jacob Eason, you know, leaving Georgia. I think the next step would be a meeting with the coaching staff up here to see if it's a fit and then go from there. But boy, all the chatter sure seems to indicate that um, that conversation will happen. Uh, there is an interest on both sides. And uh, right now, I I'd say, gun to my head, I'd say he's going to be at Washington come uh, spring ball. Well, I, I fully believe there's fire because there's enough smoke. I, I get that part. But we also have to be very clear, and we also have to be responsible with what we're, what we're hearing. We yeah. have to make sure that people understand Washington can't get involved in this. They can't, get, they can't talk to him yet. This is all no. being done by back channel, back channel, you know, third party, fourth party type stuff. The coaches cannot call Georgia right now and ask him about Skinny Eason. Skinny Eason can make all the calls that he wants on his own. But they can't take his calls. They can't talk to him. So let's be real clear about this. This is all stuff that we're hearing that's based on back channel conversations, sources yeah. upon sources. This is has this has nothing to do with the University of Washington right now. This is just all being lined up in case he's in a situation where he wants to move back home. We're hearing he wants to, but until I actually see where, where he's announced that he's transferring out of Georgia, I don't think Washington fans should get excited about it at all. Once they see that, then they can get plenty jacked up. Oh, what fun is that, Chris? Get excited. Get wound up. <laughs> um, also, I'm, just hey, saying, I'm just saying, hey, if you want to be a fan, you can do whatever you want. I'm just saying we need to be responsible about this and not put people's hopes up because nothing's happened yet. They're just I mean, you can't do anything until – He's announced that he's transferring out. Once that happens, then all this stuff goes into hyperdrive, as you know. I don't know if you had a chance to watch. It's an, it's an online thing. I watched it online. It's called QB and the number one, QB1, and it chronicles the senior years of Tate Martell, uh, Jake Fromm, and uh, Tavon Bowers, who's going to uh, wake for us. But it'll give you a real good idea of what um, Georgia has in Jake Fromm, and I think it gives a lot of insight to who he is and uh, – make you understand a little bit more why, uh, you know, Jacob Eason um, probably won't reclaim that starting job in addition to them getting the number one quarterback in the country next year. But it'll give you a background. And then also, uh, as talented as he is with Tate Martell, yeah, he's not a Chris Peterson guy. So uh, something weird about uh, him going and getting his uh, manicure and pedicure and wanting to shave his arms because it looks good. So... Uh, yeah, Tate Martell is kind of interesting, but QB1, great show to watch. Did you get a chance to watch any of that at all, Chris? I have not, Kim, but I will say when you mentioned the 2018 number one quarterback, Justin Fields, who is committed, I think he signed with Georgia. Yeah. You know, that's another thing where all of a sudden, if he's seen, a guy like Justin Fields is seeing how Jake Fromm played in that semifinal against Oklahoma and how composed he was as a true freshman, 
you got to think Jake Fromm's going to be the quarterback there for the next two years. How is a guy like Justin – I mean, as, as talented as Justin Fields is, and we both saw him at the opening, we know how good he is. But if you think he's now going to be questioning whether or not he made the right decision, you you really do have to feel like the, the writing is on the wall for Skinny Eason in, in terms of what, I'm, what am I going to be able to do here? What can I accomplish? So, yeah, I, I do see where all the pieces fit, but again – Jumping ahead, it's, it's not something that we can do. It's something that fans can do. They well, can, can certainly do dream and, and do all those <laughs> things. But, again, until we see the, the actual, uh, you know, transfer letter and, and the, where, he can, where he's been allowed to leave and all that kind of stuff, then I'll start believing that it's a possibility. Right. Anything else we need to cover, Chris? No, that's a lot of topics right there. I, I hope people can make heads or tails out of it, but – it, it, it really does go to show, Kim, that the offseason sometimes is much, much busier than during the regular season because during the regular season, there's a schedule. Everything kind of fits. You know where you're going to be on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then game day. Here, it's, yeah. you're waiting for guys to declare. You're waiting to see where guys transfer. You're waiting to see where coaches go. You're waiting to see what recruits do. Um, yeah, it's kind of a never-ending thing right now, and it'll still be up in the air until, obviously, uh, early February when we hit the second uh, signing date. And I still would expect Washington to take possibly up to three or four more guys. Yeah, I see one or two is what I'm hearing, by the way, just one or two. But, um, you know, just getting grinding through the holidays, you know, um, we had basketball, we had recruiting, you know, the first year of this early signing period. I caught the crud, you caught the crud, Scott caught the crud a couple of times, uh, you know, family obligations with the holidays, heading down to the Fiesta Bowl. We're still trying to get our feet back from underneath us, you know, with everything happening. So and changes on the website coming again soon. So just a lot of stuff going on. So even though it may seem slow, there's still a lot going on in the background that it takes to keep everything up and just, I'm on the phone all day long, it seems like. So um, we'll try to do another podcast next week. We'll probably try to do these at least once a week. Like I said, just a lot of changes and we're still trying to get our feedback uh, underneath us, you know, from the holidays and getting through all the sickness and all the crap. So all of us, from hey, all of us. Hold on, hold on. I yeah. just want to catch real quick. So to let people know, do we have anything going on with, I, and I don't know this, do we have anything going on with KJR? Not at this point. Not at this so point. Not even we may Tuesdays. have something. Not even signing day, as far as I know. We'll we'll touch bases with them, but you know we'll we'll fill in the podcast. The podcast we can say more than we can on KJR anyway. So, anyways, so uh, for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Reynolds along with Chris Fetters. Go dogs.